0: This is AM Rush. I'm your host, Alex Mitchell. Friday, May 8th, we're going to have a little bit of fun on our weekend edition. We're bringing on AM New York Metro digital editor Emily Davenport to rank... And give some hot takes on the best Harry Potter movies. So we're coming up to that, but first, two quick headlines to get to Governor Cuomo extends the state's eviction ban through August. That's going to help cash strap New Yorkers that have bills to pay. And the city is also going to roll out more coronavirus antibody tests next week. This is AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. Let's get started with. Governor Cuomo may not be canceling rent, as activists across the state have been pushing for, but he is banning evictions through August. Now, on Thursday during a coronavirus briefing, Cuomo said not only could a tenant not be evicted, but late fees cannot be incurred from non-payment of rent until August 20th. Now, that moratorium was originally supposed to expire in June. And the city is going to ramp up novel coronavirus antibody testing starting next week with the goal of reaching a quarter million New Yorkers. That came from Mayor Bill de Blasio on Thursday. On top of expanding testing for frontline healthcare workers, antibody testing is going to be rolled out initially at five branches of the city's public hospital system. That's going to be in Morrisania, in the Bronx... East New York for Brooklyn, Upper Manhattan, Concord on Staten Island, and Long Island City for Queens. After taking one of those tests, New Yorkers can expect the results within 24 to 48 hours. And now we're going to have some fun. We're going to AM New York Metro digital editor Emily Davenport to get her opinions on the best Harry Potter movies that have been made. I think this is the perfect time. If you want to take another weekend in quarantine, just go through them all. Emily, we're going to you now. So yesterday on the show, we talked about a really real cool story about cast members from the Harry Potter films are actually reading chapters of the books online. So that started with Daniel Radcliffe and the Sorcerer's Stone, but right now, we have AM New York Metro digital editor Emily Davenport to dive a little bit deeper into the world of witchcraft and wizardry. We're going to rank and talk about the Harry Potter films. Emily, how are you?
1: Ah, uh, I'm just peachy. How are you doing, Alex?
0: I am hanging in there, and I've been looking forward to this all week.
1: Me too, to be honest. If there's anything I can talk about for probably too long, it's Harry
0: all right, so let's get right into it. Emily, I want to hear your thoughts, and I want you to give me your rankings of the best Harry Potter movies.
1: Definitely. Just to circle back to the story we talked about yesterday, uh, like I was so pumped to hear that they were going to be reading Sorcerer's Stone out loud. It's like, its like We all know. It's the one that started all the magic for everybody, and I think Daniel Radcliffe was probably the perfect choice to kick the whole thing off with. Like, we know him and love him as Harry Potter, so to have him starting off what's going to be a weeks and weeks, like, months-long, actually, adventure into rereading the book, I'm just looking forward to having that every day, regardless of who's going to be reading it.
0: You know, I couldn't agree more, and just the fact that Harry Potter himself is reading it from a narrator's perspective, that uh, that's going to be pretty cool, and... It's a really creative way, and I hope that that kind of continues a trend of other popular novels or movies, flipped novels. I know it's usually the other way around, but that'd be cool to start getting that in different things. Like, how cool would it be also to hear Mark Hamill read a Star Wars novel?
1: That would be absolutely incredible. Anyone, or to get someone from, like, the Hunger Games to read the Hunger Games, like someone what's her name Jennifer Lawrence like Jennifer Lawrence to read the first chapter of the Hunger Games like there's so many opportunities for this and I hope that people start to expand upon it because while some people might not like to read they might like being read too
0: or even just people driving
1: definitely so I hope we see more of this because I just think it's a great idea
0: You're certainly right about that. So now, you love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I want to get your thoughts on your rankings of where you would put the movies. Okay.
1: Now, I'd just like to preface this with I'm open to changing my mind about this lineup given further discussion on it. But this is just my ranking based on which movies that I like to watch the best uh, what stories are being told within the movie, therefore within the book. And to at the bottom of my list is Chamber of Secrets. Really? <laughs> gonna, like, don't get me wrong. I love the Chamber of Secrets. And I loved that they tried to cram as much into the movie as they possibly could. But this was like the second movie in the franchise where they tried to really stay as true to the books as you can with as much information and sometimes that's just not super feasible and i think it's just kind of at the bottom because of some of the the subject matter of the book even when i was reading the book i was like this isn't my favorite (laughs) i'm just going through the motions and based off of the poll the informal poll that i ran on my twitter account follow me at mslaps the base uh there's But Chamber of Secrets was not one of the more highly ranked stories either for the film versions, So I'm not alone there. What are your thoughts on that one?
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that. Because particularly, I enjoyed not just Chamber of Secrets, but also Sorcerer's Stone. And it's for a couple of reasons. I just, I loved how warm those two movies were as opposed to when yeah. Harry gets older and it becomes much more intense and, and the darkness of Voldemort is literally surrounding the air around Hogwarts. But before that, you're still kind of introduced to, as you said, the magic. That's where the magic really first started, at least for us muggles. It's been going on yeah. for years and years over yeah. there.
1: I totally understand that. And I have like a special place in my heart for... Uh, Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's uh, Sorcerer Stone. Sorcerer's Stone ranks a little higher than Chamber of Secrets in my list because they were like the young, fun, like the, it's, build, it's helping establish the universe, which I'm all about. You need some good foundations there. I just like when I find myself rewatching the Harry Potter series, I'm not usually going back to Chamber of Secrets.
0: I understand that, and I get why people, especially with how the the further movies, how they take the story, I get why you would want to kind of cut to the chase a little bit. Yeah. For me, another thing that I appreciate about it, the director of Home Alone 2 actually did the first two Harry Potter films, Chris Columbus, before they switched to David Yates, who did a great Uh job, but to me it felt like a coming of age where... Harry was almost like the wizard version of Kevin McAllister, like in the Plaza Hotel. Like just the way that it was shot and filmed, it made you feel like a kid looking up at all of this magic. And I guess I really appreciated the vision that they were going for there. And that's why more than just the plot of the films, I like the way that they were actually shot and the cinematography. And like you said, like without this, we wouldn't, get to where we need to be.
1: I totally feel you on that one. I think all of these movies have been beautifully made, regardless of whether it's like the early days or the later days of Harry Potter. The, the cinematography of this film series is just gorgeous, but maybe I'm just too old and jaded at this point to <laughs> truly appreciate the magic. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I think I just gravitate more towards the darker stuff rather than the lighter stuff.
0: Sounds more Star Wars than uh, Harry Potter when you say it like that. But I I totally understand what you mean. So let's start bottom to top, make it a little more interesting. Give me from the bottom of your list up how you'd rank them.
1: Got it. So bottom is Chamber of Secrets. Uh, Right up above that is Deathly Hallows Part 1. Okay. Above that, Half-Blood Prince. Uh, above that, and which seemed to be overwhelmingly the favorite from the people that I pulled, was Prisoner of Azkaban. And so that's number... One, two, three, four. It's That's where it is on my list. Above Prisoner of Azkaban, for me, is Sorcerer's Stone. Interesting. Then... Above that is Goblet of Fire, then Deathly Hallows Part 2, and then my favorite Harry Potter film that I always keep going back to time and time again is Order of the Phoenix.
0: Ding, 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 ding. I am so happy that you said that. I will not reveal my opinion, although I kind of just have, but please continue.
1: I love Order of the Phoenix as a book and as a film for a couple of different reasons. Despite the book really being referred to as Caps Lock Harry, where he's just yelling all the time <laughs> he, and he's just angsty and teenagery all the time, you kind of see some of the characters come a little bit more into their own in this book as teenagers. Voldemort's back. No one believes him that Voldemort's back. And you have this Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in Professor Umbridge, where the Ministry of Magic is infiltrating Hogwarts because they're afraid that Dumbledore is going to start a rebellion and use the students as soldiers. And just watching that storyline fold out, I could watch it time and time again. I am just love watching the rise of Dumbledore's army. The way the actress that portrays her is just incredible. What's her name? Imelda Staunton. She, she is, is the
0: perfect villain.
1: She was incredible. The thing about Umbridge that makes her different than Voldemort, because they're both villains in their own right, is that Umbridge is someone that you can actually encounter in your real life.
0: We all like, have a Dolores Umbridge in our lives. We all in know, some know some way who Dolores
1: another. Umbridge is in our, like, our work life, our personal life, and in the internet on the internet we all know who that that person is and just watching them take over and like the i mean spoiler alert but watching her getting pushed into like the oncoming stampeding centaurs like brings me such satisfaction
0: every time i watched you know the other thing and I guess I'll just go on and say it. Order of the Phoenix is also my absolute favorite Harry Potter. It also shows, and in spirit of what was recently National Teacher's Day, you know, it shows how important good teachers are and how bad it is when you've got one that isn't helping.
1: Exactly, because she's literally only teaching them to be able to pass their OWL exam, but it's not... She's not giving them a practical application of how to use this magic. God forbid something were to happen, and something is going to happen. Because <laughs> at this point, like, we all know what happens in Deadly Hallows. There's a full-on war that's coming, and if they hadn't ousted Dolores Umbridge after that year, all of those kids could have been left to flounder and die,
0: There are two other things that I particularly love about Order of the Phoenix. The first being that I think the reason why this connects to so many people, not just you and I, is because it's the closest to our world. Like, it feels the closest where you are either in school or you know someone in school and you feel like they're not getting a practical application of knowledge and what they should be learning. I know that this is a, a timeless... A timeless topic that people have been talking about for years. So they made it very close to home where it feels like something is on the horizon and we're doing nothing to prepare. And I think JK Rowling really just was spot on in making it kind of feel like we have a practical application of a Dolores Umbridge every day where we should be focusing on this, yet you are constantly diverting our attention to this and now we're going to be vulnerable. Whether that be work, personal life, whatever, education, that was the medium that they used. But like you said, everyone has experienced that story in one way or another. And I think that's why people gritted their teeth in the theater when they saw Dolores Umbridge. And I almost feel bad for the actress in a way. Because I guarantee she's not like that in real life. But oh, no, yeah. she, is, she saw, is stamped with that. I see this
1: meme that goes around where it's Amelda. it's like screenshotted from an interview. And she told someone that she got this role, and they're like, ah, you'd be perfect for it. Meanwhile, she says that the character's described as, like, looking like a toad oh or something. God. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this poor woman. She's so much better than just this. She really brought this character to life in such a way that I don't think anyone else could. But I hope that didn't really bring her any acting
0: repercussions. <laughs> I, I hope that, or if it did, at least, like, okay, you know that she can play the evil character. The pass, the definition of a passive-aggressive evil person. I think that that's the best way to describe it.
1: Exactly.
0: The other thing that I love as far as actors in Order of the Phoenix go, I'm a huge Gary Oldman fan. I love him. As Sirius Black, particularly. Oh my god, he is. when So good, huh? Who is it? He hits Draco's dad, right? And he just, yeah, says, he just punches
1: him square in the face.
0: Get away from my godson! Boom. <laughs> that was an awesome feel-good moment, and even the way that he died—he he went out like a champ.
1: Oh yeah, and it that... was, and you really felt it, like when when Harry, like, realized what just happened, I think cutting the sound in that moment was one of the most powerful things you could do in a film at that time. Like, what's being said can say a lot, which, in my head, now that that sentence is coming out of my mouth sounds kind of weird, but <laughs> taking the sound away in a moment can say so much more
0: you know, than what was being said. You know why I think they did that, even? Not just for Harry, but... I I think when people were in theaters, they wanted that quiet moment so everyone could hear the gasp coming out of the people around them.
1: That makes sense. I believe that.
0: Because that got to me, that is one of the tougher movie death pills to swallow, particularly in the Harry Potter universe. And then, gosh, he just gives Harry this look like, like his fa- like he acted so much without saying a single word when he just looks at Harry in his final moments and
1: just falls into that and oh. disappears. Oh my God! But not- Sirius
0: Black was one of my favorites. I love that movie.
1: Oh. He is such a good character, and we got so little of him in the grand scheme of things because he's a villain in Prisoner of Azkaban. He's barely present in Goblet of Fire. And then we lose him in Order of the Phoenix. And there could have been so much more to that character that we never really get to know unless Unless. J.K. Rowling gives us some prequel action.
0: That I think would be much needed. And if I found out that there was a prequel coming to the Harry Potter films, I think quarantine would go by a little bit quicker.
1: Oh, yeah. Because like I saw the first Fantastic Beast, and it's like it's sort of a prequel in a sense, not necessarily to the cool. Harry Potter events itself, but it gives you kind of a look into the older days of the magic. But I wasn't inclined enough to see the second one. Yet. I just have it's like it's not pulling me in enough. I don't know a funny, what it is. Nice
0: story. I like that they brought it to New York. It was cool to. And they, they address, like, Hogwarts is not the only school for witchcraft and wizardry. They, you know, they had one in America, and they have them all over the place. I uh-huh. like that they expanded the universe a little bit, but at the same time, you really felt like it was just a spin off. At least when Star Wars finally diverted from the Skywalker series and did Rogue One, it was directly correlated with the plot. It was yeah. stealing the plans to the... De- to the Death Star. Okay, this is not just some spin off about animals and the crimes of Grindelwald, which I guess was kind of a taking the scenic route into bringing it back to Dumbledore. I personally, I've tweeted about this. I know you know I've tweeted about this and support me on this. Just like the X Men did, there really should be a Harry Potter first class film. I wholeheartedly
1: agree because I want to see the younger days of Professor McGonagall specifically.
0: Oh, that'd be so awesome!
1: Because you read all of this like lore that I spend too much time diving into these Harry Potter sites, learning, reading about what J.K. Rowling has said about these characters after the fact, and she has like this whole backstory about. Like falling in love with a muggle, but then all this other nonsense gets in
0: the way. And I want to see that on a screen That would be, I don't think anyone would oppose to that. And you even get history prior to the beloved characters. And you get kind of like the Qui-Gon Jins to the Obi-Wans. Like the mentor to Dumbledore, McGonagall's love life. Like you go back even a generation prior to that. So that way, if you start at the very beginning, you can work your way into all that. And you could see what Lily and James Potter and Severus Snape were like as students at Hogwarts. And you could see the relationship between James Potter and Sirius Black as they were best friends. I I would love to see that. I would love to see almost... You know how I I see it happening? Just as the way that Ron and Harry would kind of get scolded in class and everything. I think that that would be the perfect scene to recreate with Sirius Black, James Potter. But again, that would be in like the third movie because you can really do a prequel trilogy, if not more. There's so much history. And I think you start with the history behind each of the houses and the founders of the houses and the falling out that Gryffindor had with Slytherin. Because I, I know that that is addressed in a few of the films. And I'm so curious as to how that actually happened. Uh, you know, because in a way, and it draws another parallel to X-Men First Class in a way where you have, like, Gryffindor being Charles Xavier and Slytherin being, like, Magneto. Closest friends, but they have a falling out. You
1: see, the options are endless. They are and- JK Rowling keeps giving us new content on her Twitter feed as she's been doing, then we have like so much to work with here. Someone listen someone here someone make this movie, yeah. You
0: know? Or someone
1: right. at least write it down in a book and then turn it into a movie.
0: well, JK Rowling, if you're listening right now, we have a call to action for you. So uh <laughs> If you don't mind, just, you know, get on that, please. We're
1: all in quarantine right now. It's not like you're doing anything else anyway, <laughs> yeah? We're all staying inside. Just bust out that laptop, typewriter, whatever it is you use to write the Harry Potter books and get to town.
0: I also would like to see about the first Wizarding War. I think that's where, like, the prequels would end. Kind of like modeling Star Wars, how it ends with the the fall of the Republic in order 66. I think the prequels would end with, it was the first wizarding war, correct? That's when Voldemort attacked and tried to kill yeah. Harry Potter. I think that's the perfect place to end it off at because then you have the prequels, you have the originals and then you have room in between that, the adolescence of Potter and what was going on at Hogwarts at the time. Where was Hagrid? You know, there's so many questions. And the other thing is, there's so many staff at Harry Potter where you're curious as to how they got their jobs.
1: Exactly. I want to know how they choose a new defense against the dark arts professor every year because the physician is cursed. How do you find someone who actually wants to do that job year after year for whatever reason?
0: You know, that would also be very interesting is that pre-Harry Potter, the Defense Against the Dark Arts position at Hogwarts had someone in there for like a 100 years or something, where it was the most stable, secure position in the school. I could see that being like a, a bit of fun irony to have with it.
1: I would love for all of this to happen. Someone make this happen. <laughs> oh
0: gosh, you're... Yeah, we we need to put out a call to action. Even if we start drifting fan fiction, which I'm not opposed to either. Oh, for sure. Might run into some copyright issues publishing it on publishing it on AM New York Metro, but we'll to that bridge when we come to it. You yeah, know, it'll be day fine. Day.
1: It'll be fine. We'll figure
0: it out. So please continue with your list. Well, I wanted
1: to because based on my list for me personally. Prisoner of Azkaban falls somewhere in the middle of my list. And it seems to be a lot of people's favorite film, and I think I have an idea of why that could be. I am could be totally wrong. But I think that maybe Prisoner of Azkaban is as popular as it is is because it doesn't have Voldemort in it at all. Mm. Like every film and every book centers around Voldemort in some capacity like obviously in the first one he's Professor Quarles on the back of Professor Quarles head they're laying the groundwork for that chamber of secrets that's where we see our first horcrux gobble the fire that's when he comes back order of the phoenix blah 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 you know like I won't take you down through everything but the prisoner of Azkaban is the first film where we don't really get of Voldemort's story because Sirius Black is seen as the villain because he escaped from jail. So I have a feeling, and this is also where the content started to shift from it being this happy-go-lucky sort of magic is around me, look at how great everything is movie. To so where Harry's emerging into a teenager, he's starting to go through some of the angsty things that all teenagers go through. And it kind of starts painting the scenery into the dark sort of backdrop that we recognize in the rest of films. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are, because when you heard on my poll that As- Prisoner of Azkaban was doing well, you felt the need to go on and vote really quick. So i said to hear your thoughts on this film.
0: You know what? I'm not going to lie. And I guess from that, because it's uh, provoked, I will also give my film ranking, and it starts at the bottom. For me personally, it was Prisoner of Azkaban. I wasn't particularly a fan of that. And when you look at the other films, particularly Order of the Phoenix, you get this gradual moving towards the climax of the plot, which is the grand battle royale at Hogwarts at the end of Deathly Hallows. To me, it felt like from Chamber of Secrets to Prisoner of Azkaban, it was just really zero to a hundred, no real... Like, I felt like they rushed it. And they brought in too many dark elements too fast when it could have been sprinkled on versus completely saturated with. I didn't mind the no Voldemort part. That didn't really stick out to me. And until you mentioned it, I didn't even really make the connection, the true I I guess conscious connection that Voldemort wasn't really in the film. I don't know. To me, it just was not my favorite. I thought that I thought that the there were other films in Harry Potter that were made just better. To be perfectly honest. And not that I really and again I love all the films. And I know you do too. So it's not like we're hating on them when we put them at the bottom. We're just saying that yeah. like, there are better ones even than that. So It's just
1: like this is the least best out of all of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that. That's
0: how I feel about it. And I saw it when I was around Harry's age. Maybe it's different when your parents have been murdered by an evil killer and you have a feeling he's coming back to finish the job. But as a 13-year-old, I didn't feel like I could personally relate to everything going on there, too. So, But, th- again, that's besides the point. Um, yeah,
1: and I feel like as far as like book-to-movie discrepancies, I feel like Prez- Prisoner of Azkaban is one of the worst offenders in, uh, when it comes to how the plot translates to the movie. Because I agree with you. I feel like a lot of it was pretty rushed as far as the plot goes. It was kind of like thing, bang, bang, boom. But there was a lot that they left out or that they altered that just... I can't forgive like the whole Harry getting the firebolt thing. They completely like, uh, I can't, <laughs> I'm starting to get angry. Case now that I'm realizing it, but it's like one of the key points in the book was that Harry like gets this new broomstick, a firebolt fastest one for its time. And there's no note. And Hermione really believes it's from Sirius Black and that he enchanted it or jinxed it or something for something to be wrong. So she brings it this to Professor McGonagall and it gets taken away. And he can't use it until they completely analyze this room. But meanwhile, at the end of the... And this was like around Christmas time that it happened. And then they just kind of tack it on to the end of the movie. Like... It's nothing. Meanwhile it was like a huge hot point and a huge point of struggle between Harry and Hermione because it really puts a riff in their friendship. Yeah. So I feel like they could have explored so much more with this movie that they just did. But and I will always love watching at yeah, Marshall.
0: Yeah, that was but even that the, the pre I guess Hogwarts tone is even set in this dark aggression and anger which was just a little, it was a little off, given the other two movies. And again, they switched directors, so I guess David Yates kind of wanted to put his foot down and say we're not kids anymore, which I understand. And I'm not one to critique someone's very well-done artistic creation. To me, I felt like there was a better way to just gradually introduce that, okay, they're growing up, there's... You know, we know what Hogwarts is. There's no more 50 points for Gryffindor now. Lives are at stake sort of thing. Yeah. You know, like, the House Cup was no longer as relevant as it was.
1: Yeah. And I'll just go out and say, like, none of the films are perfect. There are definitely things that each one glosses over. Even in Order of the Phoenix, which we established as both of our favorites, they gloss over some really important stuff in that. Like, in... When it comes down to it, it wasn't Cho Chang who uh, snitched on the Dumbledore's army. It was her friend Marietta. There was like a whole lot that's in there that they just didn't address. Yeah, And every film has that, so I just think Prisoner of Azkaban is the worst offender in this.
0: Yeah, I I put that there with you. Um, For me, I don't know. Goblet of Fire, I wasn't such a fan of either. And maybe, again, that was kind of coming off of, in sequence, I was not so thrilled with Azkaban, so I kind of maybe took it out a little bit on Goblet of Fire. And again, not that it was a bad film, but to me it was not the real hooking one. And I think that's another reason why so many people love Order of the Phoenix, is that it really sucked them back into Harry Potter. What do you think of that?
1: I think so. I have, my issue with... I'm trying to think of like what my issue is with Goblet of Fire, because I definitely... I, I think Goblet of Fire was one of my favorite books when I was growing up, when I was reading the series. It was the one, and I think it was more just because I was drawn to the cover art, more than... But, like, what I like about Goblet of Fire was that it did, even before uh, Fantastic Beasts, it introduced you to new parts of the wizarding world, if only the European side of it, because you get the introduction of Armstrong and Bobatins from Bulgaria and France, and just to see children being pit against each other, I think was something that wasn't something that I was super thrilled with, even reading the book. It's like, these kids are in this competition. One of them is underage, He's technically not even supposed to be a part of it, but they're just not going to let this slide anyway. And then, let's not forget, what everyone loves to bring up in Goblet of Fire is Dumbledore's infamous scene after Harry's name is drawn, where he says, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Or however, however fast he did it, however fast and angrily, that's a sin that people won't let, won't let up on
0: yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, every movie's got its moments, I guess. It's but... not its
1: thing, and it's like, yeah, in the book, it said that he said it calmly, and it's pretty wide knowledge that Michael Gambon, who took over in the role of Dumbledore in the previous film, hadn't read the source material, which that's a different, that's a different thing. Uh, <laughs> like, whatever, but we don't really. And someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we don't really know what it said in the script, how it told him to say it. We don't know how he was directed to say it.
0: But not like that.
1: Yeah, it's like whoever, if he, if that's what he brought to the role, and they were like, all right, this works. That's on everybody. It's not just on Michael Gambit.
0: <laughs> yeah. that. uh <laughs> If someone
1: saw that and was like, "This is not how it was in the book," and we want it to be like how it was in the book, we got to redo this. But everyone saw that that it that was in production, post production. That's where that's the hill I'll die on. Is that this shouldn't just be held to him because people could have stopped him? That uh, they,
0: uh, it was a little too Gandalf from Lord yeah. of the Rings, who he also played. But yeah, I. I agree with you on that as does I think every Harry Potter fan on earth um, but yeah uh, to me it, the plot line on the whole competition thing it, it expanded the universe but i just felt like there was a better plot that could have been used to kind of advance things rather than the the wizarding competition i Thought that would have been a great example to... Like, imagine if you got a third movie with Sirius Black, truthfully, in it. Yeah. You know what Is it kind of was to me? It felt like pod racing in Phantom Menace. Like, kind of like, like a... like a lot a of filler. Yeah. It felt like filler content, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, I digress on that. My next one, I put Sorcerer's Stone. Classic. Yeah, it was a classic, and it was great. And again, you heard how much I praised the early film. So putting it lower in the rankings is not a diss. It's not an insult to it. I, I truly don't mean it to be. that. Without that, we wouldn't have anything. So in a way, it is the most important film. And what I love in Deathly Hallows are the callbacks to it.
1: That I agree term, with you. Yes. This film laid such an important groundwork for the rest of the series, and it's just like a nice sort of feel-good movie that you can watch, like, every Christmas and feel nice and watching it, and, like, people need to realize that he was so young when all of this started, so of course this film is also going to be young and bright, and he's learning about magic for the first time, and oh my god, look at this, that's floating, how do I do this? I can... Call a broom to my hand from the ground there's just so much childlike wonder in that film, but compared to the later ones, it's like it's like a kid's movie <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: like you grew with Harry, that's the best way I put it.
1: exactly, huh?
0: which is very well done uh, that is art in the in its finest form, again, I love it. I wish I could play Wizard chess more than just about anything. That always seems so cool. I I don't know if I would want to play Quidditch. If it's like football, there's probably a risk of head injury involved. So
1: Yeah, I don't think Quidditch would be for me. I like I like the idea of being the person, the beater who rides around with a bat, but I don't think I'm coordinated coordinated enough to actually do it.
0: The second I like fell under my broom while flying, that would uh it's like skateboarding. Bless the people yeah. that can do it. All of us just watch happily because we don't have the
1: Yeah. I, I am learning foot. how to skateboard. I'm not doing like ramps and stuff. I'm just learning how to cruise. And even that can be terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> so I can uh, imagine the fact that they go up on brooms and that's just like a normal thing. Like I get why Hermione hates flying.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I get it. I totally get it.
0: I yeah, I'm I'm with her on that one. I'm not afraid of airplanes, but it's not my preferred method of travel either. I'm with you. I I can
1: do a plane. I prefer a road trip, but you know. Same here. You 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 can't drive across the ocean. It's just not possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're working on that. Not yet. Not yet. That's right. But uh, I guess we'll leave that up to Elon Musk. Um, Next (laughs) on my list, I put um, both Deathly Hallows. I just consider them to be one story, even though they're two separate movies. Again, I... Love the callbacks to the early bits, and you find out about Dumbledore's brother and everything. I thought that was interesting in how it was done. Of course, you get this battle, the finale, and everything. What I particularly liked about it was that everyone had a role. Everyone had a place in Hogwarts. That's how I felt about it. And to me, that was kind of one of the best things that you could do is have almost like a full cast finale in a way where everyone gets to show what they're made of and, and the best stuff that they have, their best spells and everything and... But it also showed, you know, it was a battle when when Fred dies, when other people die, and it, it was real, but it also showed how impressive not just Harry Potter was, but how impressive the Hogwarts student body was, and how they could defend their school. To me, I found that remarkable, remarkably done, a great way to end it and everything, and... I think more than anything, because at the beginning, when you really don't know the story, you always just kind of imagine Ron's going to marry Hermione. And I love that throughout the movies, that takes a turn to be so not true. But the reason I love that Harry ends up with Ginny Weasley, not for their relationship, but that it means Harry and Ron are officially brothers. And that's what I love.
1: I can get that. behind that. Like, I have—I take issue with the Harry-Jenny relationship in the movies, just because they really downplay her character. She's cool. She's funny. She has a personality. They really did nothing with her in the movies. So, if you were to go into Harry Potter blind, without having read the books at all—which people do—and I don't fault them for it at all—the like that relationship almost kind of seems like it's out of left field, but there was so much more that could have been done to it. But to see them together in the end makes me really happy as a person who read the books and saw the evolution of their relationship from when she was just a young old girl who had a crush on a celebrity to her being moving on and be like, ah, forget you and starts dating other guys and then comes back. to him. Yeah.
0: And, um, It's kind of like the stereotypical late teens meant to be. You take a pretty serpentine route there rather than the straight path. But nevertheless, you two were meant to be together. And Harry Scar never bothered him again. We all know that. Um, Next for me, Half-Blood Prince. Very, very moving. Again, talk about difficult character deaths to get over, tough pills to swallow, Albus Dumbledore, and then yeah. when you find out the revelation of why it is that Snape killed him, that hurts even more that he was doing it as a friend. And that yeah. Snape was a good guy. That That's tough. That And just the way that Snape doesn't quiver or anything in the moment, he knows what he has to do. I mean... Yeah. When you look at it, Snape is probably the most mentally fort character in Harry Potter, given what he knew that he had to do in order to save not just Harry, but the wizarding world. He
1: inadvertently
0: sacrifices the woman he loves and someone he confides in and, and then Dumbledore. And oh, yeah. A, man the tough a, road. a
1: hell of a journey.
0: He really did. And, and Alan
1: a... Rickman really was way better than that role deserved, I'll be honest. Like, he was so, so good at playing Snape. I just think that Snape's redemption art was kind of weak. Like,
0: like it wasn't fit in.
1: It didn't... Like, it seemed really kind of just, shoe, like, shoehorned in there. Like, by the way, Snape was in love with your mom, and he's been protecting you for years. Just seems kind of like, why? <laughs> yeah. And, like, we don't really find any of this out for real until Deathly Hallows, but obviously, like, the groundwork for it is laid in Half-Blood Prince. We just don't know it yet. And this is the turning point where people could be like, oh, Snape's evil. He's yeah. been evil the whole time.
0: Huh? Yeah, and that's why that's what makes the revelation so much more compelling is that in between the films when you're watching them for the first time or as Deathly Hallows was still being made, you have this resentment towards Snape. And then it it kind of uh-huh. becomes apparent, okay, wow. Wow, look what he did for the greater good. And that's why Harry ends up partially naming his kid after Snape, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. I would, like, regardless, if it had been me in that situation, I still wouldn't have done that. Like, there's the years of abuse that he suffered as a student to Snape's teaching that, like, I don't know if that would have been good enough for me. That's just me. That's just me. We should move on because... I could go on on that for too long. So what's
0: next on your list? No, I I get that. I really do. And again, I have to imagine in the books, there's a little bit more behind the scenes. But yeah, Snape was not Mr. Nice Guy to Harry. And when you look at it, you know, Dumbledore and Snape, it was good cop, bad cop, really. How to get the most out of Harry to save the wizarding world. But next on my list, I put Chamber of Secrets, because again, it was one of the deeper films And it still had that bright and happy feel to it. And I don't know. I just, I loved it. I thought that you really started to, for the first time, get a sense of depth from the characters.
1: Yeah, I get that. I think it just didn't really do it for me. Like, there was some, like, we get Dobby in this movie, which I'm like, thank, this was good. They did, I think they did Dobby pretty well in this film. You get to meet Lucius Malfoy for the first time. You get Professor Lockhart, which who is just a ridiculous human being. Yeah. But when it comes to just like rewatching, I just don't think of this one to go do it. It's just like it's probably just not for me, and that's fine. I I just don't. It's just not the one that I want to watch most of the
0: time. Huh? I totally understand it. You also you learn more about Tom Riddle and everything with that. To me, I just really, really liked that it was a more intense plot than Sorcerer's Stone, but still had the young, pre-Voldemort feel to it.
1: Yeah. I get that. Well, I think I'm just like jarred because their voices changed so drastically from the first... The second film, I know, because of how much time passes. Like, of course, actors are going to age. I think it
0: just threw me off the first time I saw it, and I was like, oh. Yeah, that... Okay,
1: puberty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, and also, of course, the sequel has a higher budget than the original, so you're going to get some difference in the sound effects, particularly in the actor's tone and everything, actors and actresses, I should say, in their tone. So, yeah, it's different, but again... How many movies are so guilty of blowing the immediate sequel?
1: I mean, do we even need to talk about Attack of the Clones?
0: Oh, <laughs> I was hoping we wouldn't have to go there today. We weren't talking <laughs> we don't about have Star to go Wars there.
1: We don't have to go
0: there. <laughs> oh, man. But exactly. It's exactly right. So it was a pleasant surprise to see just not even like, oh, it was better than the original. It was like... This is a steady continuation of the original plot. How hard is it, directors of the world, to just do that?
1: Uh, apparently too hard.
0: But before we get too deep into this, and I think we're certainly going to have continuations on not just Harry Potter, but a lot of great movies and a lot of great weekend rankings. We'll definitely be making this a weekly thing. Emily, I just want to get your final thoughts on the Harry Potter films, any hot takes you have, or anything like that?
1: Uh, let me see. Uh, The films overall, like, they're always going to be something that I go back to time and time again. They have their problems, they have their things that, they left out, things that I think that are important to the films, or to the book series. But, there are certain things that, I think, that that are about them that you can just, like, move past it. Like, with like this is something that you face whenever you turn a book into a movie. Chances are they're going to cut some stuff, and chances are you're going to be upset. But if you just let yourself enjoy it, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my personal – I mean, we kind of talked about one of my hot takes. I think the Goblet of Fire thing with the Dumbledore shouting at Harry is – Not as bad as people think it is. It's not great, but clearly I don't think Michael Gambon's just to blame for that. I think Dumbledore as a character is really problematic (laughs) because he's literally leading Harry Potter to his death. And yeah, it's for the greater good in the long run, but he's literally grooming this child from the time that he's 11 years old to become a warrior a main warrior, in this war that's going to happen. And this isn't something that he asked for. So when you finally see that unfold after getting Snape's memories in Deathly Hallows, it's kind of just like, see, Dumbledore's not so great. He's not this godlike figure that everyone seems to put him on this pedestal. But that's just me. I'm happy to hear anyone else's opinions because... I
0: don't have to be right. I totally get where you're coming from. And when humans, or I should say when heroes get humanized and faulted, it almost makes you admire them more because also in that grand scheme of Dumbledore, he acknowledged you're going to have to kill me. You love me and you're going to have to kill me. Keep a straight face and everything. So again, Drafting Harry at age 11 for the Wizarding War, yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like sunshine and rainbows, but he also has to command one of his best friends and most trusted people to kill him. It it felt like, and, and he had to die. So it seemed like this was the sacrifice everyone needed to make in order to do this, even if it meant changing the way Harry should have grown
1: up. Yeah. I also think they did Ron Dirty in these films. Like, I've never been the biggest Ron Weasley fan. I'm not shy about that. But, and in the books, there are times where he's not the greatest friend and he's, like, reacting to things in in ways that maybe he shouldn't be. And I just think that they really played up the worst in him in some of these films, particularly in the scenes when, like, when... Ginny is dating people or when Harry and Hermione are having like more of a connection to each other than he's having with Hermione because he's jealous and whatever. I just think that they really could have done wrong better.
0: I, I can see that too. And a lot of it just kind of showed the trivialness of boyhood growing up. Like they were high school kids that even though they loved each other, you know, their hormones got the best of them in a lot of ways where Whether or not it was warranted, they felt envy. They felt jealousy. They did things in one way or another. And I think to me, when in Deathly Hallows Part 1, when Ron pulls Harry out of the ice or the ice water, and they, they don't really say anything after the falling out that they had. They just kind of return. Yeah. I think that that, to me, cemented what a bond that they had, that no matter what sort of Trivial, surface issues there were. There would just be this unspoken, brotherly bond that will always come back. Yeah, I I think
1: that was the most realistic thing about their relationship throughout the entire course of the movies that made the most sense from book to movie to really translate that was when he comes back in Deathly Hallows and he is, it's basically just like, we good? We
0: good. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about that, at least I can say in my personal life experience with the closest people, if something goes wrong, you don't give each other a monologue or a soliloquy. It's just like, shut up, we're fine. And you just, just like that, you kind of laugh it off or shrug it off. I don't want to say shake, shake it off and patronize Taylor Swift. But, (laughs) you know, that kind of just, it happened, we pick up, we go. And... To me, that really seemed like the most appropriate course of action for two 18-year-old guys that got in an argument with each other as for them to reunite. So I, I really liked that. I felt like that was one of the most human moments. Definitely. So, Emily, thank you for coming on AM Rush today. It was a magical show, to say the least. <laughs> Definitely. I had to do that. We'll be doing this again shortly. I'm going to be watching Harry Potter this weekend. I bet you will too. Until then, I wish you the best of luck and I hope your scar never bothers you again. You know what I mean when I say that. Harry, you know what I mean.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, we get it.
0: Yeah, good. Cool. All right, great. <laughs> that was AM Rush. Emily, thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. Now's the time to check out all the Harry Potter movies. Pick up some fan fiction. Imagine... What kind of story you would want to be told in the Harry Potter universe? And let us know, too. Let's have some fun with this. Anyway, New York, stay tough. We're getting through this one day at a time. Remember, wash your hands.